Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Let me start with prayer. Father, we thank you for the worship today. I think we all needed that. (laughs) And we thank you for bringing us through the rain to the worship today. And pray now that as we look at your word, we pray for your mercy and grace, your spirit to speak to us through your word and preparing us for communion, not just communion this morning, but communing with you every day. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're on the parable of the sower, and I got a slide up here. There we are. Thank you, Lori, for the slide. And we've been looking at what kind of dirt are you. And I sent that out on email, so hopefully that's your screensaver now. It's a great, great, I love this one. But what kind of dirt are you? It's also on the podcast. If you're listening to this on the podcast, go on the podcast site. It's there too. But we saw Jesus is a sower, and he sows the word. And then we looked, there's four different kinds of soils. The first kind of soil was seed along the path. The hard path, which represents the hard heart. And we talked about the spiritual battle for our soul. If we're not a Christian, how there's a battle for our soul. And even after we put our faith in Christ, there's still a constant spiritual battle going. Very important. Listen to that CD. Go on the podcast. Listen to that. It's a really a important foundational truth. But it's important that we keep our hearts soft for God's word. Very, very important. The second soil is the rocky soil. And that represents shallow faith. We talked about that last week. And it's vital to dynamite the rocks in our soil, the strongholds that keep us from growing. It's very important that we use the God's word, the dunami, the dynamite. Remember that? So very important. Once again, listen to the CD if you missed that. But we're going to hit the third dirt today. And the third dirt, which represents our spiritual lives, is probably the most applicable to our lives in, in the USA today. And this is the strangled faith. The strangled faith in Mark 4, 18 to 19. And I was talking about, when I came up with this title and thinking about strangled, it reminded me of a, a, something that happened when I was younger. I, uh, my brother Billy was a year older than me, and he was like the boss of the family. He would pick on us, so I would look for any chance I could to get revenge on Billy. And so I remember one night, I was, I don't know, maybe I was 11 or something, I was, and he was 12, and I just was laying there, I was trying, and something came to me, and I said, we were, he, we were three boys in the same room, and, and it was dark, and I said, Billy. He goes, what, Chuck? Chucky. Chucky. i got to use our words. He goes, I go, Billy, I'm going to strangle you tonight. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, huh, funny. No, Billy, I'm really going to. So, oh, cut it out. Quick joke around. It's pitch dark, right? You can't see my face. I'm just laying there enjoying this. Right? I'm smiling away. But you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, Billy. <laughs> and then I was quiet. I didn't say anything. So Billy's sitting there like, come on, Chuck, you're ki- come on, quit, quit joking around, quit, you know, you kept doing this, you know, you kept, I didn't say anything, didn't say anything, you know, just, come on, Chuck, I'm sorry, Billy, <laughs> cut, cut it out, cut it out, you know, you know and, he kept, and he kept going, but I didn't answer, I didn't answer, I was just quiet, quiet, and I could hear him like, moving around, getting up, I could feel his eyes on me, he's trying to see me in the dark, you know, but I'm just real quiet, just lay there real quiet, he, come, Chuck, come on, you're kidding, Chuck. Are you awake, Chuck? Yeah. This went on for I don't know how long, but I just laid down. I just waited. I just waited. And I heard him still stirring around, and then I heard him starting to breathe, and then I could hear him falling asleep, and I waited. And I waited. And I slithered out of the bed. I was so quiet. I just slowly 
slithered out of that bed, and I got on the ground, I waited. And I could hear him keep breathing, and I crawled slowly, slowly over there. And I got right next to his bed, and I reached up my hand over the bed, and he was laying on his back, sleeping, and I went, on the neck as hard as I could. And it, you, I don't know if you ever grabbed like a snake or something or electric current jumped in. A, he was like flailing and jumping and screaming because and, he was like on the edge of his nerves in his sleep, right? And, and I was like, I got you, I got you, I got you. I, I laughed so hard, I laughed. Then I went to sleep and he was all mad. He stayed awake. But anyway, but Jesus warns against the same thing happening to us here in this passage. We, he warns us against falling asleep and being strangled spiritually. That's what he's warning us. And I'm going to read the whole passage, 13 through 20, the part of all four seeds here, first of all. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So I want to look at verses 18 and 19, the thorny soil, the third kind of soil, the one that's choked by the thorns, verses 18 and 19, where he says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The thorny soil, the soil, the, the seed that ends up being choked by thorns. Now, thorns don't attack like I attack Billy, right? They don't sneak up and attack. Thorns don't do that. They slowly creep up and choke, slowly. It's a slow choking process. But the effect is still the same, isn't it? It still kills. It's still, uh, there's no fruit. Why isn't there any fruit? Because it plant never matures, whether it's fast or slow, it still gets strangled. And this is the most dangerous type of attack, isn't it? The head-on attack is, is sometimes easier because we get hit, but it's a slow strangling attack that sneaks up on us. Luke 8.14 is a parallel passage and it's really, it's a good passage but I just want to read verse 18 because it brings out a little bit more to it. In Luke 8.14 it says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. That brings out the whole picture. And if we take both these passages together, we see three kinds of thorns in our life that will keep us from reaching our spiritual potential. Three kinds of thorns. The first thorn is the worries of this life. The worries of this life. Now, this isn't wrong in and of itself, all right? Because we all have a lot to worry about in this life, don't we? It comes with breathing. Are you breathing? Raise your hand. Then you have worries to worry. you got things to worry about. It comes with being alive, right? So it's just part of what goes with it. But the, the Greek word here for the worries of this life also means, there's a second part to it, it means preoccupation. Preoccupation with daily life. It's not just the worrying, but it's worrying and being preoccupied with the daily life with our job, 
with the bills, with the kids. All things we have to be concerned about, but, but the issue is the preoccupation. You see, concern is healthy, right? We've got to take care of all those things, but preoccupation is not. Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago. I said, if the devil can't make you bad, he will try to make you busy. Busy. And there's a lot of truth there. If Satan can't keep us from putting our faith in Jesus Christ, the next step is to neutralize our faith, to keep it from maturing, to keep it from becoming anything. And, and now the, the test here, and I, called, I was trying to think, well, it's a good test here. I call this the asthma test. If you've ever struggled with asthma, I've had it different times. Some of our kids had it. You have to use the inhaler. It's hard to breathe. The asthma test. There's a spiritual asthma test here, too. Am I preoccupied with anything that is keeping me from reaching my spiritual potential? Is anything preoccupying me in a way that keeps me from reaching that spiritual potential? Pretty convicting, isn't it? Thorn number two. Thorn number two, the deceitfulness of wealth. Really big one in the USA today. Materialism, it affects Every one of us, even as Christians, we, we struggle so much with materialism in the USA today. And Jesus says, wealth deceives. How does it deceive? Well, it becomes an idol. What does an idol do? An idol is what we find our satisfaction. Instead of God, we turn to something else to find our happiness, our shallow happiness with an idol, our satisfaction. That we get our satisfaction from it. It also gives us a sense of false security. When we have a lot of money, we have a false sense of security. We think that we can depend on that money, and that's our security. It happens to the most mature Christians. It happens to all of us. When we have enough, we stop depending on God quite the same way, don't we? It also leads to self-sufficiency. We don't need God. I mean, we say we need God, but we don't really need God like someone doesn't have as much money as us, right? I saw that in the Philippines when Bob and I took the Philippine trip. They, they are really dependent on God because they don't have what we have. Those, the group that just went to the Dominican Republic. They, you saw the Christians there depend on God. When there's something that they need, they really depend on God. They don't just call the doctor. There is no doctor. They don't just go out of the bank. They don't have a bank account. They really depend on God. And we are at a severe disadvantage here because we really don't need God like other people need God because wealth is deceptive. It's a, de- it's a deceptive. And I have a test for us for this. I'm trying to think. Okay, I had the asthma test for the preoccupation. For this one, it's the choking test. If you have, ever, if you have little kids around, you know what this test is. What can they choke on, right? It's so nice. Baby D is now Big D. She turned four. And our youngest is now four. It's amazing what we don't have to worry about anymore. You used to have to run around pick every little thing off the floor and, and have to be careful. And what she got in her mouth? Uh, uh, that's just dog food. Okay, that's okay. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, we didn't have, you know, it's not something she could choke on, right? Yeah, but it happens. But anyway, the, there's a, the choking test is that you have to get rid of all the stuff that could potentially choke in and that they could put into their mouth to choke on. But the same thing, we have to have the same choking test as Christians. What are we stuffing into our mouth that could choke us spiritually? What is, what is hanging around my life that can choke me spiritually? It can cause me to you know, have breathing problems, right? And we need a spiritual Heimlich, right? Have you ever had the Heimlich done on you? Have you ever done a Heimlich before? Some of us need a a spiritual Heimlich. I remember, and I think I I told this story here before, but it's been a while. Uh, When I was a youth pastor, we used to do this game called Chubby Bunny. 
chubby bunny. You take, and I hope the youth group, you're not allowed to do this one. This is banned. But anyway, along with a couple other things. But anyway, the, the, the chubby bunny, and uh, I know they're already mad at me. But anyway, the chubby bunny is the marshmallow. You take the marshmallow, and you stick it in your mouth, and you put as many as in your mouth, and, and whoever can get the most marshmallows into their mouth and, and everywhere else it goes down, right? And they're, they're, Faces just puff up like a bunny, you know? And, and whoever gets the most in wins whatever big money prize we give out that day, right? And so uh, we were playing this one time. We were in, in uh, Illinois, and Kim and I were doing this on a retreat. And one of the kids who was, he, he was a little bit of a fanatic with these games. He kept stuffing them in, stuffing them in. I can't, I, so he, I think he got to like 24 marshmallows. And he, he won by like a lot. But he just kept doing it and doing it. And his face was just like going to explode. But the problem was he was shoving them down his throat at the same time. He won the game. He was all excited. But also he went, ooh, ooh. And he, he starts, the marshmallows start pouring out, pouring out. 23 of them, but the 24th one did not come out. It was stuck in his windpipe, Right? And we're like, oh, well, I know how to do this. I see TV, you know. And I went up and I went did one of these Heimlich. Heimlich does not work like that, you know. You do this, it comes out, you're a hero. It does not work like that, especially with marshmallows, right? It's a, a, it's, Heimlich is really a traumatic event. And I was doing this Heimlich deal, trying to, you know, like I had him and I was like, doing, I was jumping him up and down. And I could not get, he's turning blue. He's going to pass out. He's going to die. This will not look good on my resume as a youth pastor. Right? And I finally was desperate. I'm not kidding. I, I'm, this kid's going to die. And I remember I picked him up and there was a garbage, big, one of those big heavy garbage cans. I put him up over the garbage can and I jumped up on his back and landed on his back. And it went, boom. And he started breathing. He goes, where's my prize? I go, this is your prize. You ever do that again? You scared me to death, Frank. Yeah? But a lot of us, spiritually, are like Frank. We're so stuffed with stuff that we're dying spiritually. That's what our whole focus is, is stuff. And, and it kills us spiritually. We, we need this test, the choking test, and the spiritual Heimlich. The third thorn is the desires for other things, or Luke, in Luke 8 it says pleasures. Desires for pleasures is what it's talking about. What does our whole culture revolve around? Seeking pleasure. I mean, it's what we're all about. It, it's all seeking pleasure, whether it's drugs and alcohol, seeking that high which ends up leaving us not high, but empty. We're always looking for that next high as a culture, which we know ends up feeling low. It doesn't last. It's quick, and it's empty, and it's, we end up low. Or another pleasure, and I'm just using the two main ones. There's many, many pleasures that we're, we abuse. Sex is another big one. Uh, sex outside of a husband-wife marriage. If you watch TV, if you watch any movies, if you look at your computer, if you listen to music, the whole focus is on what we would call sinful sexual pleasure it's sex outside of a husband-wife relationship marriage outside of that it's what's glorified it's what's focused on and it's a big lie but we i see so many christians knocked out by this pleasure seeking especially this one so many christians knocked out of knocked out of through pornography or sexual activity or dating a non-christian they're dating a non-christian next thing they disappear they're gone they get pulled away because they got they got 
fooled by that. It's that pleasure-seeking. And Jesus knew this was a big issue. In fact, even when he's talking about the second coming later on in Luke 21, 34, in Luke 21, 34, he says, Jesus warns about the second coming and the day of the Lord. And he says in verse 34, he says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. He says your hearts will be weighed down. The word her weighed down in the Greek has the idea of being dulled. Our hearts will be dulled. And he, he talks about the drunkenness, the pleasure, the anxieties of life. But the dissipation is a very interesting word. It really means hangover. It really is talking about having a hangover. And it's not just from alcohol. It could be from anything, right? It, a hangover could be from anything that we t- do too much of. Anything. Any pleasure that we seek too much, too much food, too much anything can create that blah hangover feeling and spiritually do we have and this is the third the third test is do we have a spiritual hangover today because we're so focused on pleasures we're spiritually blah yep we've all been there (laughs) probably a lot of us are there today spiritually blah we need a spiritual breathalyzer. You know how you take a breathalyzer test? We need a spiritual breathalyzer. What pleasure is, are we overloaded on that's causing this spiritual hangover? You take these three together, and what are we being strangled today? Is our faith being strangled? What are we preoccupied with? What are we preoccupied with? It could be something good, but if it's keeping us from great that's a problem. If it keeps us from growth and fruit, that's a, a big problem. It, maybe it's money or things or something. Maybe it's someone or some pleasure. It could be anything that takes our focus off of God. If it's keeping us from worship, if it's keeping us from the word, if it's keeping us from prayer, if it's keeping us from fellowship, if it's keeping us from our ministry, it could be anything. Years ago, I remember being in church and someone come up to me, had a family, and said, ah, you're not going to see us for a while. We just signed our kid up for peewee football. And the games are Sunday morning. So, and this was in the beginning of September. And he said, so you probably won't see us again until November sometime. And I remember thinking, are you kidding me? You're going to take your whole family to a new church called peewee football for two months, three months? And you're going to dis... Worship for peewee football. But we all do stupid things like that, don't we? I'm not talking about missing sometimes. You know, we, you know, we're not legalistic here. But the point is checking out. And you know what? I didn't see them in November. I never saw them again. Tragic, tragic story. And I can trace it all to when they quit. Coming, putting other things over God. And the family's a mess today because of peewee football. But we can all point our fingers at other people's stuff, but how about pointing it at ourselves, right? What in our life? Thorns are deceptive, aren't they? See, that's what things about thorns. They're deceptive. You know what's deceptive about thorns? What's usually, what's often do you see with thorns? What's that? 
Roses, right? But I'm thinking, I was thinking even berries, roses, but berries, you know, berries are usually with thorns, right? Especially around fields, farm fields, there's all the berries and the thorns. And, and I love berry picking. I take the kids in, we always in picking berries, and we eat berries were purple for about, a, you know, all of July. We eat so many berries, red or purple, whatever, or whatever we're eating. And, and we, but that's what attracts us. But, it's, but once you get, start picking berries, the thing is, you, I, we get all excited, we're picking berries, but on the way home, we have bleeding everywhere. We're scratched everywhere, you know, because you don't notice. You're so focused on the berry, you don't notice all the scratches, all the scars that you, we end up with. And the thing about berries is berries don't last. First of all, you get sick of them. They're fun at first, but after a couple of weeks, they, the kids get sick of them. They don't want to eat them anymore. And, and they, they start to rot. They start to smell bad. You pick them, and they're all mushy and gross. The berries don't last, but what does last? The thorns. There's still thorns. And the berries drop off, but you're still stuck in thorns, or you still have the scratches, still have the scars. And it's just like sin. Sin, the pleasures of sin don't last. But the scars, the thorns last. And the scars last. That's what lasts, isn't it? Think of all of I can think of some scars I've got. The fun of that sin's long gone, but the scars are still there. They will always be there. That's what, that's what, that's what lasts. What are we drawn to? What is scarring us? What, how do we need to come to God and commune with, commune with him and seek his grace and seek his mercy and deal with all the things we talked about last week with the strongholds? Well, how do we need to refocus? Parents, are we being careful? The thorns creep into the house pretty quick, don't they? Are we being careful of what we let into our house? Are we, are we blocking the channels? Boy, if you aren't blocking channels on your TV, you know, putting a safeguard blocks on... Your kids are looking at some pretty nasty things. If you're not blocking them, do you have covenant eyes on your computer where you know exactly, you get a report constantly what's being looked at on all the computers in the house? If, if you're not, I'll tell you what they're looking at. Chuck will tell you what they're looking at. Guaranteed, there's a lot of pornography going into your children. They're being poisoned. It's vital to have those blocks, and, and, but also to keep talking to your kids because they're going to struggle. They're just like you are. They're going to be tempted just like we are. And we have to keep discussing it, keep talking, helping them work through it, helping them learn to battle the temptations. Not be legalistic and keep them from every little thing, because you can't, but teach them how to fight the temptation and how to go to God and seek his mercy and seek his grace. But as parents, it's so important that we do that. If we let down our guard as parents, if we're not careful, I'm not talking about fear-based parenting, but I'm talking about faith-based parenting, grace-based parenting, but, but it's very important that we do our best to help them battle these things. Because if we don't, it's going to hurt our children. I don't know if you followed the news a couple weeks ago. There were two boys who had a friend. They went over to sleep at their friend's house. It was up in Canada. And the, the, the dad, the, the friend that they went to stay overnight, the dad owned a pet store. And so they went on the sleepover, and they went to sleep. And the next morning, the guy came in, and the two boys that were over at the house were dead. Because a python had escaped from down below, a, a huge python had escaped from the pet store, crawled up upstairs somehow, and strangled the two boys while they were sleeping. Is that horrible or what? But yet, how many times do we allow the same thing? We don't know what our kids, where they are, or what, what danger they're in. 
And we, what we let into our house, we let something far worse. If we leave our TVs and computers unchecked, we're letting something far worse, our computers unchecked, we're leaving something far worse than a python loose in our house. Are we being careful as, as parents? The thorns creep up on us. This is what happens. The thorns creep up. Thorns, if you go to a farm, the fields, they grow along the edge of the field, and they, they don't just all of a sudden appear in the middle of the field. They creep into the field. They creep in. That's what thorns do. They're, they creep up. They invade. And most of us here don't have farms, so I'm going to use something you can relate to a little better. Think lawns and prickers. You know, the prickers, what do they call these? Uh, well, I, we call them prickers. You know, the little prickers that grow in the grass, right? And, and they, they come in and, and they, they start on the edge of the lawn, the open space, but at our house they start creeping in and we, I constantly have to go back there and pull them, pull them up, roots and all, put a glove on and, and throw them out into the weeds again because they're constantly coming in. And if I, if I just take a couple weeks and don't do it, Next thing you know, the, the whole backyard's being taken over by these brickers, right? And, and it's, it, it's, it's, it takes constant battle. But what in our life needs constant care? What, what do we, what's creeping into our life? And we all have at least something. What is, needs constantly uprooting? But this is the issue with thorns. We can pull the pricker out by the roots, but you can't do that with a thorn. It's impossible. With thorns, you cut them off at the base. That's what you do. You cut them off at the base. And then as they get dry and die, you little by little pull them out and burn them. But you cut them off at the base and little by little, you can't just pull them out. It's impossible. You have to cut the base. You have to cut off the source of that thorn. And then when it dries out and gets weakened, then you're able to pull it out. It's all tangled up with the other thorns and other bushes and trees. You have to pull it out little by little. And you go back a little later and it's dried out even more and you pull out even more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, and then you keep burning them and burning them. But what in our life? What's the source? What is feeding our thorn? We have to go after the source. The source. And it might take other people to help us with that. It might take, it will take other people usually to help us with this. It takes a lot of accountability. It takes other Christians to take Christian counseling. It takes a lot of encouragement. As we get ready for communion here, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What is blocking us from a close relationship with God? What's crowding out the seed, God's word in our life? What's distracting us? A lot of you just want to a mission trip and some of you are just baptized and others have been on retreats and you know what it's like you get back and you're so excited and so fired up but what happens two months later we're just like we used to be why because we let that crowd in and i want to encourage especially the teenagers going back to school this week you're gonna have a lot of thorns it's a thorny place school all right and, and it's a, a potential to, to be strangled, our faith to be strangled. I want to really encourage you guys to, to stay close to God and to not let the thorns creep in and not let, the, let all these different things creep into our life and, 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 and choke our, our faith. And we can learn, I'll give a, something that we can, a picture to leave you with for next week as we battle this. We can learn a lot from cell phones and texting. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you see a car, or somebody backends you, or what's usually going on? Cell phone. Somebody's texting on their cell phone. Texting. 
It's, it's crazy, right? Uh, but it's so tempting. But, but, but in, it happens with talking, too, especially with teenagers, but now it's every age. You, you're talking to someone, and all of a sudden they're doing this, and they're gone. They're texting. What does that create in a relationship? If you're trying to talk to your teenager, I'll use kids. Pick on the kids. Uh, you're talking to your teenager, and you're trying to talk to them, and they're constantly texting. What does that create in your relationship? Distance. It's, it's distracting. It creates distance. And that's the same picture of our relationship with God. The thorns are our cell phone. And we're constantly distracted by that cell phone, cell phone thorn that, that's distracting us and, and, and creating distance in our life. God wants a close relationship. And we're constantly, you know, grabbing the phone and, uh, you know, texting and looking down and focused on other things when he wants to be connected with us. He wants that close relationship. And as we go to communion today, that's what communion is all about, is reconnecting. Now, as we go to communion, you might need to connect for the first time. There's a first time connecting, and that's when you're spiritually reborn. That's when you go from being a, a, someone who's not a Christian to a Christian. It's not something that just kind of happens. It's the Bible, Jesus actually called it being born again. When a baby is born, it's born. It's like a dramatic event. And spiritually, it's the same picture. That's why Jesus used it. There's a time when you go from being in the world's womb to life with God. And that happens when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you give your life to Jesus Christ. And that may be your first step is to reconnect with God. You might be here and you've never taken that step. I want to encourage you to take that step today. We're going to pray in just a few moments. For those who have already put their faith in Christ, what's breaking our connection? Maybe it's sin. could be anything. Any thorn will do. Any thorn will do. We're going to take communion here in just a few moments. We'll have some music playing. And if you want to take communion, you're, you, there's no pressure to do it, but we'll have the table. You just come up, take the, the, the bread and the cup. And when you take it, you're remembering something. We're reconnecting with God. We're remembering that God the Father gave his son Jesus Christ to die on that cross in our place for our sins. And that bread represents the body that he gave on the cross. And the cup of grape juice represents the blood that he shed on that cross for us in our place. And we're remembering that and we're reconnecting and we're refocusing. And a very important part of communion is confession. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. If there's something in our life, this is the time to get it out of the way. This is the time to confess it. This is the time to make something right with somebody. This is the time to say, God, I want to be free. Whatever it takes, I'm, I repent of this. And I want to be free of this. I want to, I, you, my relationship with you is more important than this thorn in my life. That's what this time is for. And if you're not ready to put your faith in Christ yet, or if there's something in your life that you're not willing to get rid of, you can say, I got this thorn and I'm going to keep it stuck right there. You know, if we're not willing to take it out and give it to God today, then don't take communion. It's okay. Wait for the next time. But I hope everybody here takes those steps and communes with God not just today, but every day. Let's pray. As we go to this time of communion, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? 
let's just take this time to talk to God and to do business with him and to surrender what we need to surrender and to reconnect, to confess what we need to confess. Say, God, is this a thorn in my life? Is there something in my life that's keeping me from, something good that's keeping me from the great that you have for me? And while we're praying, I want to talk to anybody here who's never put their faith in Jesus Christ yet. You've never done the initial connecting with God through his son Jesus. Maybe God's spirit is speaking to you now and you sense his spirit pulling you into that relationship. I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and to pray a prayer of faith. There's no, no magic prayer, but something like this. Say something like, God, I... ask you to forgive all the wrong I've ever done, all the sin I've ever committed, anything that's come between me and you, God, I ask you to forgive me because I'm repenting of it. I'm turning away from it. And I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness and I put my faith in your son Jesus. His death on the cross for me. His resurrection from the dead for me. I put my faith in Jesus. And I'm going to follow give you my life. Make me into the person you created me to be. If you've prayed that prayer, you can now commune with God anytime. You can come to him anytime because you are his child and his Holy Spirit lives in you, and you can come in Jesus' name anytime through Jesus and talk to God, your Father. I want to encourage you to start through communion this morning. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card. Email me. Text me. Tell a friend that you came with a family member. Tell somebody so that we could encourage you in your new faith. We'd be excited for you in your new faith. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would bless us during this communion time. And this would be a spark for communing with you all throughout the week, all throughout this month. For the, our entire life, we would have this close communion with you. Pray it in Jesus' name.